Welcome to the first episode of the Practice Makes Purpose podcast, where we explore the frontiers of human potential. I'm C. Paul Schroeder, and today we'll be exploring Compassion 1.0 and 2.0. Dante Green is a professional basketball player who formerly played for the Sacramento Kings. He's just under seven feet tall, a powerful athlete known mostly for his exploits on the court. But on Memorial Day 2009, Green became known for something else when he jumped into the fast-moving waters of the American River outside Sacramento to save a woman he had never met. Green was boating on the river with friends that day. It was after 7 p.m., starting to get dark, and boats were beginning to head in for the night. A nearby driver gunned the engine, apparently not realizing that one of his passengers had crawled out onto the back of the boat to retrieve something. The woman, who was not wearing a flotation device, was thrown into the river. At that time of year, the American River flows fast and cold, filled with melting snowpack from the Sierra Nevadas. The woman was not a strong swimmer and was quickly swept under. Green heard the splash and shouts, saw what was happening, and unhesitatingly launched himself into the dark water. The water, I'm not even gonna lie, was freezing, freezing cold, he said in an interview afterward. He swam to the woman and held her head above water, fighting against the current as he waited for another boat to arrive. It felt like it took forever, he said. When Green was asked what he was thinking when he jumped into the river, he responded, I honestly don't even think I was thinking. I was just reacting. In another interview, he said, I didn't even think about it. It was just instinct. You see somebody in a position, and you know you can help them out. In his book, The Altruistic Brain, researcher Daniel Pfaff explores the question of why people engage in acts of extreme heroism, leaping into rivers, jumping in front of moving trains, or rushing into burning buildings to save total strangers. He offers a surprising explanation it's very difficult for the brain to hold the image of another person clearly in mind for any length of time. It takes a lot of work to do so. So the brain takes a shortcut. It substitutes the image of ourselves for that of the other person. This blurring of the distinction between ourselves and other people is immediate and pre-conscious. It happens before signals reach the prefrontal cortex where information is evaluated and decisions are made. So in that moment, when we see someone else in danger the way Green did, the brain literally can't tell the difference between the other person being in danger and ourselves being in danger. Our response in these situations is visceral. In fact, that's the exact meaning of the ancient Greek word for compassion, efsplanknia. It comes from the word splankna, meaning guts or viscera. As Dante Green said, I didn't even think about it. It was just instinct. I'll call this kind of visceral response Compassion 1.0. This peculiarity of our neural wiring is likely at the root of one of our most basic and universal ethical teachings, the Golden Rule. Do unto others as you would want them to do to you. It makes sense when you realize that when we look at others, we tend to see ourselves. In split-second decision-making, this blending of self and other can elicit some of our most noble human qualities— heroism, courage, and self-sacrifice. However, in the context of long-term relationships, it can also be the source of some of our very worst tendencies. 
Blurring the distinction between myself and another person doesn't allow for the fact that the other is different from me in key aspects. The trouble with Compassion 1.0 is that it leads us to view other people as alter egos, basically extensions of ourselves. And this causes all kinds of problems in our relationships. When we identify too closely with other people, we may try to control their behavior or get wrapped up in the outcome of their choices. We fail to recognize them as unique individuals with their own preferences, goals, and ambitions. We act as if our story was their story too. What we need is a different kind of compassionate response, one that works not just in split-second decisions, but in our long-term relationships, not just with strangers, but with life partners, children, co-workers, and friends. We need Compassion 2.0. In psychology, Compassion 2.0 is often referred to as perspective-taking, a conscious effort to see the world through someone else's eyes. I was first introduced to the practice of perspective-taking by education researcher Alfie Cohn. In his book, The Brighter Side of Human Nature, Altruism and Empathy in Everyday Life, Cohn writes that perspective-taking requires more than simply treating others as we would want to be treated. We have to make the effort to understand other people and imagine their point of view because they may not always want to be treated the way we would in their position. As Cohn puts it, there is a world of difference between imagining myself in someone else's situation and imagining that person in that situation. It's the difference between asking what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes versus asking what it's like to have their feet. In my book, Practice Makes Purpose, I call this practice of imagining the other's point of view compassionate seeing. This practice has two steps. The first step is consciously and intentionally recognizing the difference between ourselves and another person. We start by acknowledging that the other person has experiences, ideas, and aspirations that are different from ours. They may value different things, and this may lead them to make choices that diverge from what we would choose in a similar situation. The second step of compassionate seeing is making an imaginative leap and putting ourselves in the other person's place. To do this, we have to engage a discovery mindset, our capacity for wonder. We must ask ourselves, if I was this person in this situation, what would I think, how would I feel, and how would I want to be treated? The crucial difference between Compassion 1.0 and 2.0 is that Compassion 2.0 is motivated by curiosity whereas Compassion 1.0 has no curiosity because it assumes that what is good for me is good for the other as well. I first got to thinking about the distinction between Compassion 1.0 and 2.0 while reading the book Thinking Fast and Slow by psychologist and brain researcher Daniel Kahneman. In the book, Kahneman identifies two systems or modes of thought, which he calls System 1 and System 2. As you might expect from the title of the book, System 1 thinking is very fast, almost instantaneous. 
It requires little energy and relies on heuristics, shortcuts that allow for quick solutions to complicated problems. Substituting our own image for that of another is an example of a kind of energy-saving heuristic. Another example is substituting a hard question with an easier question. So for example, when asked a difficult question like, describe your mood over the past 24 hours, the brain tends to substitute and answer a much simpler question, how do I feel right now? Unlike System 1, System 2 thinking is conscious and effortful. If System 1 immediately knows the answer to 2 plus 2, System 2 is what you use when you have to get out a pencil and paper to decipher 1,763 divided by 21. This kind of thinking takes work. It literally tires out the brain, and the brain needs time afterward to recover and rejuvenate. Because the brain is extremely energy conscious, it defaults to System 1 thinking as often as possible only reverting to System 2 when absolutely necessary. Like System 2 thinking, exercising Compassion 2.0 is effortful. It takes work. It is not instinctive or visceral. It's a skill we learn and get better at through practice. You can think of it as the mental equivalent of getting out a pencil and paper to do a hard math problem. You have to take mental inventory of what you know about the other person as well as making allowances for what you don't know. Although making the effort to see things from someone else's perspective is hard work, the good news is that it gets easier with time. Thanks to neuroplasticity, the brain's ability to create new pathways, tasks that at first seem awkward and laborious can eventually become second nature through practice and repetition. I can speak to this from my own experience of practicing martial arts for the past 12 years. I currently hold a second-degree black belt in Taekwondo. When I first started, every technique felt unnatural and forced. I had to think about everything, so all my movements were cumbersome and awkward. But over time, my reactions became faster, and the motions became smoother and easier. What had once seemed completely foreign eventually became instinctive. Compassion 2.0 is the same way. It may seem awkward and forced at first, but over time it can become second nature. The key is to practice a little bit every day. Wherever you are, in the grocery store, on the bus, waiting in line at the coffee shop, take a moment to engage the two steps of compassionate seeing. First, consciously recognize the difference between yourself and the other person. Then make an imaginative leap and try putting yourself in that person's place. Engage a discovery mindset and ask, I wonder what it's like to be you right now. Our capacity for curiosity and wonder is like a muscle that gets stronger the more we use it. Compassion 1.0 sometimes makes headlines. And there is nothing wrong with this. We should admire acts of extraordinary bravery and heroism, like that of Dante Green. But we should also be sure to celebrate the ordinary, everyday heroism of Compassion 2.0, because this kind of compassionate response has the power to solve some of the world's most urgent and pressing problems. If we are ever going to heal the divisions in our homes, our communities, and our country, we need people who are willing to make the effort 
to see the world through others' eyes. Compassion 1.0 is a legacy of our evolutionary past. It taught us to identify with others and consider their lives to be as valuable as our own. Compassion 2.0 represents the next phase in our evolutionary development. Engaging in this kind of intentional practice is an act of conscious evolution. We are taking responsibility for our own future and that of our descendants. Little by little, day after day, practicing Compassion 2.0 enables us to rise toward our highest human potential. I'm C. Paul Schroeder, and you've been listening to Practice Makes Purpose, exploring the frontiers of human potential. Find me online at www.sixpractices.com. Our theme is composed by David Kessler. Music was composed by Chris Zabriskie and Dexter Britton.